Welcome to FRT, the IIF podcast on finance, regulation, and technology. I'm Dennis Ferenzi, and I'm here with my colleague Conan French at the IIF Washington Policy Summit. It has been a busy week here in Washington with a number of IIF meetings, including yesterday's Digital Currency Roundtable, where central bankers, regulators, tech experts, and industry leaders discuss commercial bank coins, central bank digital currency initiatives, legal and regulatory developments, and the outlook for the landscape moving forward. Joining us to discuss these topics is Mark Weijin, Managing Director and Head of Global Public Policy at the Depository Trust and Clearing Corporation, better known as DTCC. Mark, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to FRT. Thank you. Conan, I'll turn the mic over to you so we can jump into some questions. Great. Well, Mark, I think we first started talking about crypto technologies, distributed ledgers, and this new wave of innovation back in 2014, 2015, when you were at the CFTC. And you're really involved in investing time and attention to understand the space for quite a while. And I was just wondering, you know, during yesterday's meeting, we had again, lots of different parts of the ecosystem and a lot of different issues were brought forward. And I was wondering if you might share uh, some thoughts on kind of the arc of development of the technology, where we, we came from and where we are today. Sure, Conan. Yeah, I think it's been a bit of a journey, obviously, since you and I first talked about this years ago when I was still in the official sector. And I remember that meeting well when you came in. I think I actually reached out to you and to IIF as a resource and a source of good information about what was happening with this technology, specifically in the industry where we work and operate. And clearly a lot has changed since then. I think from my own personal perspective, and it actually is the same as perspective of DTCC, as it turns out. But I think initially when the technology first started to be discussed, it was in the context of cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin. And then people started to look under the hood of this new cryptocurrency and look more carefully at the underpinning technology itself and then people in the financial services industry and other industries began to wonder are there some cost savings efficiency gains that could be delivered by using this underpinning technology that for now mostly people understood to be beneath Bitcoin and nothing more so that led into a considerable amount of time including at DTCC starting I would say probably around 2015 at DTCC and again around this time you saw some other developments too that were similar to other companies but within the industry but companies really started to look at again the underlying blockchain technology to try and discover whether or not it could be useful um, to help deliver services that companies like ours were delivering. We actually started a project at DTCC where we undertook this effort to replatform one of our businesses, a trade information warehouse business, onto a blockchain platform. So that brought us up into, as I said, 2015, 2017. And I would say around that time, we really started to see a proliferation of initial coin offerings. And there was a lot of excitement around that. People looked at coin offerings as a way to, a new way to try to raise capital, essentially. Other people referred to it as some semblance of crowdfunding. But the underlying purpose of these offerings was to raise money for something. And that led into a considerable amount of excitement, I would say, as I put it. But also some concerns, I would say, on the part of the regulatory community. And the official sector started to wonder, what are these assets? How should we be viewing them? How should we be categorizing them? How do they fit within the jurisdictions that we are charged with overseeing and enforcing rules around? And as I said, I would say roughly in that time period, 2015 to 17, we saw uh, more and more of that. And of course, meanwhile, the asset class, the value of some of these coins in this asset class really shot through the roof up until roughly the end of 17. So as the regulatory scrutiny, the, 
the, the policy scrutiny began to increase, around that same time, I would say, firms like ours started to look at these, let's call them new assets. And it turns out, in a lot of cases, they're not new assets. They are assets that fit within rules, at least in the U.S. A lot of them, a lot of these new coins, for example, were considered to be securities by folks at the SEC or other people opining who understood securities laws. And I'm a former CFTC guy. Everything that wasn't a security could easily fit the definition of a commodity under the CFTC's rules. So it turns out a lot of this new stuff, let's call it, um, actually did fit within existing frameworks. And, and so as that understanding began to, began to come to the fore more and more, and as firms, again, like ours, looked at this, then the thinking changed a little bit. Um, or it didn't change necessarily, but there was a new type of thinking that was brought to bear on this. And, that, and, and the thinking for DTCC was... Okay, well, if this is a new way and form of issuing securities, what, if any, role is there for DTCC to play in this? And so that's kind of where things have gone over the last number of years, and it's basically where we are now. And I think there's been a pause in new coin offerings. You haven't seen as many of those. Uh, the price of the new, uh, the coin offerings, generally speaking, uh, here in the U.S. and globally, where they can be exchanged on these spot exchanges, it's sort of leveled off. It's been kind of stable for more than a year now. And and I think that's that's basically where we are at the moment. Yeah, no, I think that with the asset bubble crash, it's given a real opportunity and a little shift from the flashy headlines, I think, to more mainstream institutions looking at how will these technologies continue to stress and question some of our assumptions about you know, what an asset is in the future, different roles and responsibilities within the market. And DTCC is really interesting because you sit at the center of a lot of that ecosystem. So as we think about all of the different players who are around the table for the roundtable meeting yesterday, on digital currencies, um, central banks starting to think about what their role is, what the future of money is, what the right instrument uh, for monetary policy in the economy, commercial banks looking at coins and how do those coins be developed so that they have the right attributes and functionality set for the next wave of the digital economy. And that's, I think, the next place where I'd love us to go a little bit is what are those new capabilities and functions you guys are thinking about at DTCC? You know, the classification taxonomy efforts today have sort of said, well, we think we've got some pretty good buckets to fix them in. Let's be kind of tech neutral and look at them. But again, you know, this new technology enables uh, things to maybe serve multiple functions at once. So something might look like a security at one time from one perspective and later on may look like something else or has a lot of other additional functionality that a traditional security um, wouldn't have contained. So what are some of those capabilities and functions that DTCC is starting to think about to serve an intermediary role in the future economy? Well, Conan, I think you laid it out really well. That's exactly how we're approaching this. And to state it just a little bit differently, there is a workflow today under the current rules that dictates how a securities transaction is settled. That workflow involves several different intermediaries. The intermediaries are registered, in the case of the U.S., are registered with the SEC, every single one of them, when it comes to processing of securities. You have broker-dealers involved, you have a central securities depository involved, you have a clearinghouse involved, you have a transfer agent involved, and then you have, on the on the customer side, you have uh, the customers of broker-dealers, you oftentimes have institutional asset managers who are involved, who are bringing uh, their customers' trades, ultimately through a clearinghouse. So you can see there's a real somewhat elaborate set of boxes that the workflow goes through 
from the point of execution of a trade to the settlement of a trade. And just as you said, Conan, it's a nice way of putting it. When we look at this technology, when we look at securities and the possibility that they can be issued onto a blockchain or distributed ledger, we think about if that were to be done, how can we make that process, which involves all those boxes that I tried to explain a little bit, how can it collapse some of those boxes? How can it make the entire process more efficient for everyone involved? And I think one of the challenges with this technology or any technology is the regulatory framework is what it is. And for now, anyway, the people in policymaking positions have said they don't really seem to feel much of a need to change the framework just because of the fact that a security can now be issued onto a blockchain. So that automatically is going to place some limitation on just how much of a change or how much more efficiency even uh, can be gained by using this technology as opposed to existing technology. And I think that's a really important point that people have to understand when when they look at this. Now, having said that, that doesn't mean that it's not worth looking at this carefully. And in fact, DTCC has been doing that now for, for some amount of time. And as you said, it's possible now that you could have a uh, you could have one platform where you issue and process and settle a securities transaction. The challenge will be how do you do that? I think for now within the existing framework, and I think that means that whoever does that, we actually released a paper recently about that. Whoever performs all of those functions, the function of offering a place of trading or, or a place of execution, and then selling the trade all in the same place. There's certain responsibilities that have to be borne by whoever does those different things involving the processing. So that will involve getting multiple registrations with the SEC or exemptions from those registrations through discussion with the SEC. And if there's exemptions to certain registration requirements, for example, a clearing agency registration requirement, which I think normally in the U.S. you would want to have if you're a platform settling securities. If there's an exemption from that, it's always going to be based on some set of conditions. After after going through all of those steps that I just described, you might have a framework that's more efficient, but you have to ask yourself then, what would be the causes of the efficiency? What is it that would make the process more efficient? A lot of people talk about the amount of time that it takes to settle the trade. The construct today in the U.S. is T plus two settlement, meaning you trade on Monday, you execute a trade on Monday, it sells on Wednesday. A lot of people say, well, with this technology, you can collapse that into T plus zero. You can do real-time settlement, as we discussed in the, in the roundtable discussion earlier. The fact is, you can do T plus zero settlement today with DTCC's technology. So you're not solving for that by using uh, blockchain technology. And then you think about what are some of the other efficiencies or important things about this. One would be, again, as you said before, Conan, I tried to describe a little bit, eliminating some of those multiple players. But if you do that, you're going to have to satisfy the regulation one way, shape, or form. So that covers that area. The next thing you think about, well, are there other concerns around, let's say, resilience, data protection, privacy, these kinds of considerations? Can you get some gains there by using this technology? Perhaps, but are they going to be so much better to offset the cost of moving the entire industry onto a, onto a new technology framework? Maybe, maybe not. And so I think that's where we are and that's what we're trying to analyze. If I had to paraphrase, I think what I hear a lot across the industry is that maybe these new technologies haven't proven to be great sort of rip and replace solutions for existing systems that have existing requirements and existing legal regulatory frameworks. So those are all sort of working pretty well, but the place where people see a lot of opportunity is getting industry on the right footing um, for the next wave of the data economy. And we see our members again thinking about new 
tokenization and coin technologies that would bring new attributes uh, to money. Central banks talking about doing the same thing. And so I think what will be consistent is that the technology will continue to press some of those assumptions and roles and responsibilities in market. We hope that it will solve some of the problems that we've had over the years in you know, settlement time, some inefficiencies, but that you know, more work needs to be done. So as we wrap up here, any thoughts about why this is still an important area for people to uh, focus some time and attention? Well, I think it's just as you said, Connie, that there are still promises from this technology. And there are promises from other technologies that are being looked at as well as, as Connie, full, full well know. And I think that's why people are taking it seriously. For companies like ours and our customers who are uh, some of IF's biggest members, broker-dealers, banks, and so on. I think all of us are pretty focused on not only delivering for our shareholders, but trying to deliver cost savings and efficiencies for our customers. How do we make their experience more positive, safer, more efficient? And anytime there's a new tool that promises to deliver on any of those dimensions, firms like DTCC and and, and some of our customer firms and your members, we're, we're going to take a careful look at it. So I think that that's why there continues to be a lot of interest in this even within the securities industry, uh, but we'll see where it goes. Well, thanks very much for joining us uh, for the roundtable meeting and for this uh, episode of the FRT podcast today. Tune in next week for another exciting episode of FRT, the intersection of finance, regulation, and technology.